Turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And we're going to read to the end of the chapter. There's about 11 verses. Let's go ahead and stand when you find it. Aren't you glad that you don't have to make decisions in your life if you've got Christ in your heart? He'll, he'll make those decisions for you. you just got to follow Him and you've got to trust the potter. Praise the Lord for that song. We're going to start in verse number 38, Matthew chapter 5. Again, this is the... Um, Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says this, You have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the, at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Verse number 43 is a different thought process, and he says, Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 45, That, he may be the that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. And then he sums it up in verse number 48. He says this, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. The Bible, last week we talked about um, the selfless um, attribute of Christ. And um, I was thinking about this week, the biggest attribute that Christ did for us, He was our Savior. I mean, He died on the cross for us so we could go to heaven. I know we talked about his selfless act that he did. And then today we're going to talk about being a servant. The word servant in the, in the, the four Gospels is found 106 times in 89 chapters. That means an average, a little over one time per, per chapter, he talks about being a servant, serving, servant. We can be selfless, but we can be selfless, but we can be selfless and we can be a servant pointing people to the Savior. And that's what our job is. Selfless is a mindset. If you're going to be a selfless person, you've got to determine in your mind that you're going to be that way. The word servant is acting upon that selfless aspect of, of not being about you. When you're being a servant, you're humbling yourself, moving yourself down, and that's why we need to be these things. We're going to look at that attribute of Christ being a servant. You won't ever be a servant unless you're selfless. And the only way you can be selfless is if you say, I die daily, as, as Paul said. And that's a hard aspect because we like ourselves. But I want you to, for, for review's sake, I want to go over um, John chapter 13. You don't need to turn to it. We looked at it last week about the washing of the feet. A selfless state with the servant's actions to others. That's what Christ did. But if we were honest with ourselves, we would probably have done it a different order. See, here's the order that Christ did it. He pulls all the disciples into the, the upper room. He washes their feet. Then he says one person's going to turn him in, going to turn their back on him. He sends that man away. And even in that conversation, the other disciples don't even know it's him. And then he tells them what's going to happen. That's how Christ did it, and God always does things in order. And it was the best order because he shows his selfless act because amongst those 12, was, there, was, there was that one. See, if I were to do it, here's how I would do it, Pete. I would go, I'd bring everybody in the room. I would figure out which one was going to be the one that was going to get me. I would send him out of the room. Then I would wash the other 11 feet. Then I would tell them what was going on. But that's not how he did it. Because Christ is not me. 
and Christ is not you. He washed that man's feet that he knew was going to turn on him. He had already turned on him. And so here you have that story, and I was trying to think that in my mind as you think of, of this story. Jesus knew that Judas was going to do what he was going to do, and he still washed his feet. This was the selfless act attribute to him, and it was also a servant to him. I was thinking a little bit step further. I wonder, and, and it's never written in scriptures, but I wonder if while Judas was going and he went to see uh, the people to turn him in and what he was going to do, and I wonder if he ever looked down and saw his clean feet. You ever think about that? Maybe he sat down and thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he looks down and he sees, when he hangs himself, before he hangs himself, does he look down and see that he's got clean feet? Amen. This is a selfless act that Christ did. And it shows the servanthood of who Christ was. Even knowing full well what this man was going to do, he still washed his feet. And so when I, when I thought about that, I thought, man, that is, that is a, the, the perfect picture of who a servant is. I want to give you three things of what, what, a, what a servant should be doing. And, and I want you to turn to, we're in Matthew chapter 5, stay there, but... A Christ-like servant always has biblical rules. You know, it's amazing to me when people say, I don't like to deal with teenagers. I love dealing with teenagers. You know what teenagers want? They'll never admit this, but they want rules. And they want you to be on the rules. And so when you're consistent on the rules, you won't have problems. I, I had two teen girls, and they were just like any other teen girl. They played sports, they did all these other things, and, and you know what, I don't look back and I, and I never remember having issues with them, because we were consistent with them. There's always biblical rules. We read some of them. Let's look at some of these biblical rules in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. First of all, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Now, I'm not going to do this as an illustration, but if I walked up to Cecil and smacked him in the face, you know what the Bible tells him to do? Not to rear back. The Bible says, here, hit the other one. That's a biblical rule. We, we, we look at that and we think, that's absurd. But isn't that what Jesus did? He was punched in the face. He was, his beard was plucked out. You know what? He didn't say anything. He was a selfless person. He was a servant. And so then it says this, and, and, and there's some other verses in here. When you read it, you go, I just don't understand it. If, in verse number 40, if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And so in other words, he's taking your coat, you're going to give him another one. And you're going to say, here, take my cloak also. That's not what we normally would do. But this is a biblical rule. These are not just suggestions. We say, well, no one would ever do that. Christ did. And we're to be like him. We're to be like him. Then it says this, if, if you go one mile, go, don't just go one mile, go two miles. Has God ever worked in your life and told you to do something? You said, oh, I can't do that. I can't either afford it. I can't afford the time. I can't afford the money of it and you've not done it, you pulled back from it, how do you feel when it's all over? Have you ever done something for somebody and you went the extra mile? How did you feel about that? Didn't you kind of feel like what Christ must have felt like to some extent of what he's done for you? So here you have all these rules that he's setting up. The next one is this, you got to give to others. Look at the verse number 42. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Wow. These are rules that God has set up for us. If we're going to be Christ-like servant, there's always biblical rules. And then comes on these verses. It talks about loving, loving thy neighbor, which is easy. 
This is not talking necessarily about the person that lives beside you. It's talking about those that are around you. But then it says that you're not just, and you're supposed to hate thine enemies. That's what the world does, right? But Jesus says that you're supposed to love your enemies. Then he gives you some illustrations that we've already read about why you should love your enemies. These are biblical rules if you're going to be a servant. It says in this, it says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. How do you feel when people say things about you? How do you, how do you deal with things when they do things to you? It says, do good to them that hate you. This is not a strong suggestion. This is a rule. He says, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I, I think it's very interesting that Jesus says that. He says, pray for them because once you start praying for somebody, you'll treat them different. Whenever anybody has a problem with somebody, if they come to me and say, I have a problem with so-and-so, the first question I'm going to ask you, have you been praying for them? Well, no. I mean, do you not know what they did? You know what I find if I pray for those that, that have done something wrong for me? It'll change my aspect of who they are. Right? We all have those people in our families that are crazy. I have more than my fair share in my family. Some would equate me with being one of those. But, you know, I look back and I think there's, there's a couple that, you know what, they act out and they act out and they do all these things. And, you know what, I can look at their actions and go, man, I, they just drive me crazy. But then when I put them in my prayer book and I start praying over them, you know what, I can overlook some of those things. I can overlook that because, you know what, that's a soul that's going to spend either heaven or hell. And if I act like they're acting out, I'm no different than they are. And I need to point them to Christ. I need to be a servant. You need to be a servant to those that might not necessarily agree with you. He goes on and he says this, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, in verse number 45, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Then he says this to him, and the disciples knew exactly what he was saying to him. He says, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And then it says the next verse he establishes again, and if you salute your brethren only, what are you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? He's saying quit acting like the world and act like a servant. See, most people come to a church and they want to be served. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to serve people. We shouldn't ask the church what the church can do for them. You should ask what, should, what could you do for the church. We, we do the same thing with Christ. We want Christ, we want Him up, uplifted, and He is uplifted. He's our Savior. And so we say, okay, what can He do for us? In all actuality, we should turn around. He's already done enough for us. We should turn around and say, what can we do for you? There are always biblical rules when you go through this. Remember, Christ is trying to teach His disciples to be servants. And they haven't got it yet in Matthew chapter 5. They don't get it. I mean, he tells them these stories and they just don't get it. You know, at one point when you read the Gospels, you'll see that he's talking about something. And right after he talks about doing what's right, Mama comes in. I talked to you about a little bit, little bit about this last week. Mama comes in and says, can my son sit on the right and left side? She didn't get it. And they didn't get it. He's going to teach them. Now, we have the whole Bible, 66 books. 27 in the, Old, in the New Testament, 39 in, in, the, in the Old Testament. And we have this whole thing that we've got from start to finish. It's all about Christ. And we are to be a servant. So the first part is this. A Christ-like servant always has biblical rules. The second part is this. 
A Christ-like servant's biblical rules are outside of human comprehension. If you try to figure out these rules that Christ sets up for you, they're gonna, because we are self-serving, we will never understand them. But when you, you look at it and you say, okay, Christ, what are you trying to teach me? You understand it a little bit more. Let's go to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be in there the rest of the time. Luke chapter 17 is an interesting story. He's caring for his disciples and the sick. He's, he's been patient with these, with these people, and he, he's been patient with the people that he healed. And, and then all of a sudden, he, here, here comes some other things going on the scene. And if you go to verse number 3 in Luke chapter um, 17, you'll see the story progress with this. And it's beyond human comprehension because when I read this, I have a hard time with this, okay? Watch this in verse number 3. It says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. (laughs) How many of you like forgiveness? Man, I love forgiveness. But sometimes I have a hard time giving forgiveness because it's on the other side of it. Now look at the next verse. When I read this, it's like, I don't know if I could do this. It says in in the next verse, it says in verse number four, if he trespass against thee seven times, what's the next three words? In a day. That's very significant to this story because when most people, when they they do something wrong, they don't repeat it the same day. They they know how to test the waters, right? You ever had someone do you wrong and they're not going to do you wrong until they have to do you wrong again. This guy comes seven times in the same day and what does Jesus say to him? You got to forgive him. Now my, my thought process is this. Did he really repent? That's not for you to decide. See, we all of a sudden take Christ's aspect and say, I know what he's doing this for. There's some people that just don't get it. And so when they treat you wrong, and they treat you wrong, and they treat you wrong, and every time they ask for forgiveness, you're supposed to forgive them. That's why later on in the Scriptures, Jesus said what? Not seven times, but what? Seventy times seven. Now, I don't know if you're a mathematician and you're counting to 490, and when it hits 491, you're going to nail them. That's not what Jesus is talking about either. He's just saying, we need to forgive people. Then he says in verse number um, um, six, five, he says, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted by the sea and it shall, shall obey you. Now, does, is this human comprehension? Anybody ever tried to move a tree just by having faith in it? Jesus could do it because he had that faith. When my mother passed away, she had a, she had a little um, necklace, and on the back it had a mustard seed, and it had that verse on it. And I'll never forget it because you couldn't see the mustard seed unless the, the side of the um, pendant was in a, it was microscoped, so you could see it. You didn't realize how small a mustard seed is, and he's saying, listen, if you just have this much faith, you could do things that you couldn't even believe. Later on, the disciples would try to heal someone and, and Jesus would come along and he would heal them. And, and what would he, what they say? Well, we tried to heal him, but we couldn't. Why couldn't we? And what does Jesus say? Because there's some things you have to do what? You have to pray and fast over. We've got to be like Christ. And when you're like, and you're in the servant attitude, it's going to be beyond human comprehension. 
because he's going to tell you another story as you go. Go to verse number seven, and it says this. For which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank the servant because he did the things that, that were commanded him? I trow not. That means I, I think not. Basically what the story is saying is, if you have a servant and he's out in a field, and you come in and you're about ready, you're sitting down and you're about ready to eat, that servant comes in the field, you are not going to take that being the master, say, hey, you sit down and I'll get your food. The servant's job is to serve. And so he says, he's going to come in, and then all of a sudden he's not going to sit down until his master's also served food. Then he gets to sit down. If you're, and, and the Bible clearly states on the next verse, it tells you what kind of servant this man is if he did this. It says in, in, in the last verse, in verse number 10, it says, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Jesus gives us jobs to do. We've got to do them. So the first statement is this. A Christ-like servant always has biblical rules. Number two, a Christ-like servant, biblical rules are outside of human comprehension. And the third one is this. A Christ-like servant, biblical rules, rules are not always in our favor. You know, if you're looking for a life when you accepted Christ to be every, everything simple, it's not. You're going to go through turmoils, you're going to go through trials, and those turmoils and those trials are going to make you who you need to be. It's not easy. These people that say you're going to be fine, you're going to get wealth, you're going to do all, I don't know what planet they're living on. But I do know that when I'm going through a trial, it's different than going through a trial right by myself or going through a trial with Jesus right beside me. And I can always do that and I can have that peace that passes all understanding. There's always going to be problems in your life and it's not always going to be in your favor because we're not about us. We are about Christ. And sometimes God works through us to show Christ in others. That's why you can go through a problem, you can go through a tragedy, you can go through a loss of a loved one and still be good on the other side knowing full well that you're struggling, you're, you've got this trial, you don't know how to handle it. And yet Christ is still with you and people are always watching you. If someone in this room, and, and God forbid this would ever happen, someone in this room had cancer, do you not think people would notice it when they came in the room? There he is. He's the one that has cancer. She's the one that has cancer. And they'd be watching you do everything. They'd watch to see what your spirit is. They'd watch to see what happens. And they'd see how big your God is. Can I tell you, your God is bigger than any problem you have. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. There's a story going to come in this, in this, in this next part of the scripture. Stay in Luke chapter 17 and I want you to see this. Because he, is, he has already told his disciples that you're an unprofitable servant if you're just doing the bare minimum. He wants us to do more and more and more. You know, John McCain just passed away. And, and, and they're going to have a service for him. He served our country. But right now, all that matters is in his life is not the service to his country, it's, it's if he has Christ in his heart. That's what's the most important thing right now. 
But sometimes we get off on the side note and go, I just don't know if I can handle this. God will not bring you through something you cannot handle. And here is the story I want you to look at. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And it's about to be like him. In verse number 11, he comes across, and we're going to read the first four verses of this. And I want you to follow the story. It says, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show thyselves unto, thy, unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. You've got to understand biblical times when it talks about leprosy. Leprosy colonies, you've heard of that before. These people would get, and they, if they got this disease, they would go and they would live in certain areas. And they would live together. Notice what they said he did, these, these guys did. They stood afar off. They knew the rules of the leprosy colony. There were 10 of them. It says that they said, said to Christ. So they, they see him coming. They know they can't go to him, but they can yell and get his attention. If, he, if they would have went to him, all the other people would have dispersed. But here they see a miracle from Jesus just speaking words. On some of these people, he had healed them by touching them. Remember the lady that touched the hem of his garment. There were other people that he got dirt put in their eyes and, and, he and, and he touched them physically. But here he has these people from afar off and they asked, and watch what they call him. The first word they call him, they knew his name. They called him Jesus. What was the second word they called him? Master. Now, you know, when I read this story, because it doesn't end in this verse, but if it ended in this verse, we'd all understand, wow, he healed 10 lepers. Now, what happened to those 10 lepers? Now, let's just play this out if you were one of them. Before, they could never go to their family and talk to their family unless it was from a distance. They could never have a hug from their mother or father if their mother and father were still alive. They could never hug their wife or their husband because they had this disease. Their life had totally changed because of this disease. They knew what the rules were. Now, the other aspect of biblical times is this. When they had leprosy, the people that were their family members would bring food and set them in a certain spot. They would go get that and bring it back. They were surviving by friends and family. So the day comes and they're all standing around and all of a sudden they hear that Jesus is coming. They got one shot at this and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And what does he say to them? He says, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine what their thought process was? They're walking away and these things are falling off of them. And all of a sudden their skin is healed. And they go and they, they tell the priest. But we all know the rest of the story, right? Because this is not the end of the story. Jesus knew all ten of those men, correct? If they were men, ten people. 
right? He knew them all. He knew how many hairs they had on their head. He knew their names. He knew their families. Jesus is God. He knows that. He knows everything. And watch this. He knew how they would respond. That's a teaching moment for his disciples. Because he's going to tell his disciples something. He's going to show them and just follow along with this. If it ended in, in verse 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples. But I was quick when I, when I studied this and studied this. When I first read this, I think that there's some ungrateful lepers. I don't think that anymore. I think they were grateful for their situation. But they were not grateful for the source. There's no way they could walk away from that. Bobby, there's just no way they could walk away from that and say, I'm not grateful for what happened. Now they get to hug their families. Now they get to live where they used to live. Now they get to do all these different things. But there was only one out of ten that was grateful for the source and the situation. See, their lives have, have changed. I don't know if they went directly and ran home and told mom, told dad, told aunts, told uncles. I don't know what happened, but there was this one. And watch this. Keep reading, and it says in verse number 15, and one of them. Now you say, well, he might have been the spokesman. No, because in verse 13 it says, and they lifted up their voices. When he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, he, he all of a sudden sees he's healed when he's walking away, and then he turns around and he says something to God, says something to Christ, but then he does something even more, more drastic. He runs back to him and falls at his feet. Now watch this. The lepers knew that they couldn't be around people. But he knew he was healed from that get-go, and he goes back and falls at his feet. And the people and the disciples see this. And he says this, he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was, now this is a slap in some of these people's face, a Samaritan. He is what you call a half-breed back in the Bible times, half-Jew, half-Gentile. People didn't like that, didn't like them. And he falls at his feet, and he thanks him for what he's done. We've got to get that thankful spirit. You know, a lot of times, I'm not as thankful as I should be. You're not either, amen? Sometimes we're thankful for our situations, but we're not thankful for the source. And sometimes we don't express our thankfulness to people. I am so thankful for this church. I am thankful for the people that are in here. I have been blessed. You have been blessed. We've all been blessed. I was thinking about this. I was telling, I think I was telling Jim yesterday, you know, I'm thankful that I get to live in a house. I get to walk to church right now. We're waiting to sell our house to our, to our daughter, waiting for that to go all the way through. And I'm thankful that you allow me to stay there. And you allow me to stay there with four dogs. They're not upstairs. They're downstairs. They live in the basement. And I love my dogs. But I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to be here. When's the last time you just thank God for what He's done? I'm thankful for my salvation. When I lay laid my head to sleep, I'm thankful that if anything were to happen to me, I don't, my wife is gone helping my daughter right now. I don't sleep well when my wife's gone. I sleep with a gun in my bed, okay? All right? I thought, I got a gun in my bed. If someone comes in, I, I don't know if I can't even wake up when someone comes in. And this morning, I, I, I walked out, locked myself out of the door. 
when I let the dogs out, I was going out and locked the, locked the door. I thought, what am I going to do? And then I thought, oh, wow, if Ann was here, I could just knock on the door. She let me in. Ann is my, she is my help me. And so I thought, I don't know, I'm going to have to go through, go through a, um, a window or something at 6 o'clock in the morning. It's dark at 6 o'clock in the morning. I go through and I'm looking, I'm looking. And then I go to the doors. I have left every door unlocked in my house. I said, that kind of negates the gun in my bed, okay? And so I walk through the front back door. It opens up. I'm like, Ann would never have done that. And I shut the door. Then I go to the front door. It's wide open. So, I mean, I wasn't safe anyway. I'm thankful that there was no robbers. I might as well just put a sign up on a neon side. said, come on, take whatever you want. Man, we, we sometimes are ungrateful for what God's done for us. You ever caught your negative side of you? I want to say this to you. I truly believe, I truly believe this. I believe that the percentile of what the, the lepers were is basically where we are in America. I feel like there's only really 10, about 10% that really, really are thankful for what they've done, what they've got. Because we can find negative stuff in everything. We can find negative things in everything that we look for. But you have these, this, this one guy that comes back. Christ knew. Now watch this. Christ knew that nine out of ten were never going to say thank you for changing their lives. I wonder what they thought. I told you, I wonder what, what Judas thought about his clean feet. I wonder what they thought when they went back to their families and, and nothing's on. And their families, can you imagine when they knocked on the door? Just picture this. you got a leper that's been living in this colony. They knock on the door, they open the door, and they see the person that's not supposed to be there. But Christ went their way. The source changed their life. And I wonder how many of them, when they open the door, step back and go, ho, 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 don't be touching anything. And then them looking and going, look, I don't have it on me anymore. But nine of them, Larry never came back to thank him. Let me tell you, if you know you're a servant, you got to listen to this statement. You're a true servant and selfless if you serve those who just want to be served. Watch this. Nothing in, nothing in return. Jesus, Jesus changed their life. You say, well, did the other guy get anything better? Yeah, he sure did. Watch what it says about him. Sometimes we overread it. It says in this, it says, um, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus, and Jesus answering said, and he was thankful for the first person, but he said, were there not 10 cleans, cleanse? Then he asked this question, but where are the nine? Where are they at? Now, answer this question. Did Jesus know where they were? Absolutely he knew where they were. This is a teaching moment for his disciples. And he says, they are not, they, they are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this, and look at the word he uses for this guy, stranger. Now watch what he says. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, and watch this, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
we've got to get back to understanding that a Christ-like servant's biblical rules are not always in our favor. Here Christ washes 12 disciples and one of them kisses him with betrayal. Here he goes and he heals 10 lepers and only one of them come back to thank him. But it didn't change the fact that he still washed Judas's feet and it didn't change the fact that he still healed nine of the lepers. Now we don't know any more about the story of what, what happened to those nine, but their lives were changed. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our situation that we don't consider the source. And a true servant will sit back no matter what the cost is, still serve. And he will serve people, and he will serve people that will want to be served and will never do anything in return. Never a thank you. It's gotten to the point where sometimes when you say thank you to people, they almost are shocked. Right? This week, Fox News, I read this, that a boy got in trouble for calling his teacher ma'am. What have we come to? I get people upset at me when I call them, when I call them ma'am or sir. If I'm at Walmart and they do something for me, thank you, ma'am. And if they're younger than me, that just sets them off. It's like the rule is they've got to be older before I can call them a ma'am or a sir. But you know what? Sometimes we have just lost our sanity. God wants us to understand that there are biblical rules. If you're going to be a servant, you've got to have biblical rules. Some of those biblical rules are going to seem we can't do them. There's no way we can do them. We still need to follow them. And the third one is not all the biblical rules are going to go in our favor. Did Jesus make those last nine did he make those last nine have leprosy again? Not to my knowledge. He still healed them. We have a Savior that is a selfless Savior. It wasn't, about, it wasn't about anybody but God. And we have a Savior that was a servant. And he was trying to teach his disciples. You say, well, here he washes Judas's feet. Well, he also washed Peter's feet, was going to deny him three times. He also watched, watched Philip's feet, and he was the one that was a practical and had to see everything. And then he also watched what? Thomas's feet, which would, would deny him. Would not deny him, but, but say, I've got to touch him before I believe it. And he washed all those, those, those disciples' feet. He didn't change his purpose because of the outcome. He loved them despite their faults. And aren't you thankful that we have a Savior that's a servant? And we are to be servants with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm probably talking to the choir. There are a lot of servants in this church. But we've got to get back to understanding what a true servant really is. With no one looking around, how many of you would say, you know, there's times in my life that I'm thankful for the situation, but sometimes I'm not really thankful for the source. That's me. My hand's straight up on that one. All over the auditorium. We've got to have a thankful spirit. And, if it, and the Bible tells us that we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to pray for them. When's the last time you had someone say something to you and what you do, you turn around and say something about them? Jesus never did that. I wonder how many times the disciples would look at Christ and say, stand up for yourself, and he would, he would not do that because he was a servant. 
a servant. A servant is someone who serves others. We've got to get back to that. Someone says, well, they, did, they treated me wrong. Did you pray for them? It's a biblical rule. Well, this is 2018. We don't need to do that. Yeah, we do. If there's any time in America we need to do that, we need to do it now. We need to be a servant. Are you a servant? Are you a lip servant? You say you're a servant, but your actions don't back up what you are. And I'm not preaching to anybody in here. I'm just telling you, I know what I need, and I need to be a servant. I need to understand that it's beyond human comprehension of how, how these rules are going to work. But there are rules, and on those rules, they're not always going to go my way. But it still doesn't change the fact that I've got to be a servant. How many of you in this room would say, you know, Pastor White, I need to work on being a servant. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray over you. You know, you're not all over the auditorium. You'll never be a servant for Christ if you don't, if you don't know him personally. If you don't have that personal walk with him, it breaks my heart when I see people watching a video in Sunday school and you can see this man talking, witnessing to another man. And you can just see the lights click on in his eyes. I even mentioned that to the class because he saw what the man was trying to teach him. Man, you need Christ in your heart. You don't need to walk alone. You don't need to figure out things on your own. Follow Christ. He knows what's best for you. He died for you. He was a servant to you. Are you a servant to him? Are you a servant to others? Lord, I thank you for the ability to serve. I'm not the best servant. I've let people down in this auditorium and I'll let people down in the future. I've let my family down. I've done other things that sometimes you just go, what in the world is going on? And, and yet, you still love me. Be careful. You do so many wonderful things for me. And sometimes I'm thankful for the situation, but I'm not thankful for the source. And Lord, I am so thankful this morning as I get up in front of these people that I have a Savior that is the source of my life. And the source of my happiness, the source of my joy. He gives me love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all the nine. May I equate those to you and be thankful for what you've done. Lord, I don't know what some people are going on, going through in this auditorium, but they have a Savior that does. And Lord, when we get in the midst of these storms, the biggest thing we can do is go back to being a servant. Thank you for loving us through our faults. Now be with this invitation if there's someone in here that doesn't know you as personal Savior. May they see the need of that. May they see the need that they're not a good person. May they see the need of having that acceptance of you in their heart. They might know all about you, but not know you. May they come to the true knowledge of who Christ is. And then those in here that raised their hand and said they wanted to be a servant, Lord, may they truly understand what that means. It's never easy to be a servant. Thank you for serving us on the cross. Thank you for dying and rising again for us. We'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. With no one looking around, I'm going to pray one quick prayer. And I would really want you to understand this. Don't say, I'll take care of it later. Get it settled today.
If you don't know Christ, get it settled today. If you need to be a servant more, get it settled today. Don't wait until I'll say something to, I'll say something to God when I go home because the devil knows that. He'll stop you from doing it. There'll be something you'll get busy about. This is the time to do it. Lord, I thank you for being a servant. I thank you for taking care of nine lepers that never came back and thanked you. I thank you for washing Judas's feet. I thank you for washing Philip's feet, Peter's feet, Thomas's feet. I thank you for all of the things that you did for us, for them, and I thank you for what you do for me. May I never forget the source in a situation. Thank you for these people. May we be a church full of servants.